I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic. A podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. It's windy out. It is windy out. <laughs> Things are bumping around. They are. It's pretending that it's winterish. We never really got any winter. The eastern half of the U.S. got all the weather, and the western half of the U.S. got... Spurts of it. Not real weather. Yeah. Well, it's windy, and spring is windy in a lot of places, so there mm -hmm. you go. A few weeks ago, we talked about school services changing for our number two child. Yes. And a meeting that we were going to need to attend for his IEP. Yes. Because of the changes. Uh-huh. And we've had a meeting since then. We did have a meeting. Yes. We had some emails from the school saying their IEPs were being audited. Mm-hmm. And that ours had come up in the audit as needing changes. And that was concerning to us because... We... He was showing improvement with the services he had been getting. Yes. And his neuropsych evaluation said that that would happen, but not to remove services. Yes. So that that's kind of nerve-wracking to think we're going to go up and down with this. And apparently they have a procedure I didn't quite understand, which means... We can only change the thing that we've already done. We may not change the thing we haven't done yet. We have to first do another thing and then decide if we can change it. But I'll get into that. <laughs> Sounds kind of like transition or something. But Yes, yes. Oh, standards of care for special needs children. Yes. No. Ugh. Yeah. So before, before we went to the meeting... We started getting a lot more emails. Yes, because they were trying to transition him back into more general ed time. Yes, and at the same time, his meds were not working so great. No, they were not. And we had an upcoming appointment with the pediatric psychiatrist, so we were going to address it there, but it, it was starting to unravel a little quickly. <laughs> yeah, and you Long, know long, detailed emails. They're very good at that. I appreciate they that. They are. They need to document everything because if they want to justify giving him more services back, they need to have a very clearly detailed rationale for doing so. If they want to qualify him for additional services, which he has not already been receiving, they need a very clear and well-detailed rationale for doing so. Well, I like it because as his parent and as a not necessarily word person, understatement, I know. <laughs> It's helpful to me because they are very clear and concise about what happened. Yes. Such as we said this, and then he did this melting down thing and started charging at people and throwing chairs or whatever he did. And that's easy for me to hand the doctor and say, here's a very clear description of what types of behaviors he's doing. And he's doing these behaviors everywhere. Yes. He's doing them at home. He's doing it at after school program. And he's I doing it in school. And I think we mentioned this before, but I find it very reassuring to get those emails, not because the teachers see him acting like a wild man, but because it's not just us. It, it normalizes our experience. It does. It, it says, you know what, this kid really does have problems. It's not just us thinking so. It's not just us thinking he has problems or mismanaging him to yeah. create the problems. It lets us know we're not... Everybody... We're not mismanaging him. ...is managing him as best as possible with numerous different techniques, and he's responding similarly to everybody. Unfortunate, but true. <laughs> yes. 
And he was getting very aggressive with his responses. He was. One of the emails was about them worrying he was going to, what's that word they use at school for absconding? Elope. Elope. He's going to run away from the building. Leave the campus area. Mm Mm-hmm. At um, which point it would not only become a health and safety issue, it would also become a truancy issue. First graders don't need truancy involved. No, they don't. There's a lot of things that aren't needed, but Ugh. could be happening. Yeah, we got a, a lot of emails. A lot of emails, pretty much daily. And it was funny because there was one night that we came home and I think number two was at his other mommy's house that night. And we were so excited that there were no emails and we had no responsibilities and it was just going to be a quiet night. I had said to my coworkers, hey, I think there's no email today. Knock on wood. You didn't knock hard enough or maybe it was the wrong kind of wood. Well, I I was allowed to be hopeful for those hours. (laughs) We didn't get the email until like... Eight o'clock at night when it was she later than that. Yeah. finally, you know, composed yeah. all of her thoughts as it professionally was, as possible, which a, sometimes it takes me a few hours to come up with a professional response to. And a little break in between from dealing with it. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was a late email. It was like 8.30 or 9 or something. But anyhow. And, and this uh, was like a couple days before our scheduled meeting. Yes. This was the whole week, week and a half before, maybe a couple of weeks before our scheduled meeting and leading right up before it. Yes. And the last email we got right before the meeting was the email about the copy of the paper plan that they were going to be sending home. And you sent them a detailed response. and I did, which was, again, one of these just extremely professional, detail-oriented, clear rationale for what we feel he needs or what the neuropsych evaluation has stated that he needs. And apparently they didn't have the neuropsych evaluation in their file, which we gave them a copy of at the meeting. We had given it to them last year, I thought. I thought we had given it to them last year too, but they didn't have it in their file. Mm -hmm. They did participate in filling out forms and Those little things where you answer questions by filling in the bubbles of often does this or never does that or so forth. But they didn't have one. And only one person, as far as I could tell, took offense to some extent at your thoroughness in your email and our wanting to address problems that they were sending us emails about. Right. And apparently that, that wasn't something I understood. So apparently it was just one person and we weren't actually sure... If that's what her issue was. No, because leading up to this also, before we even get into the meeting, backing up to the weekend prior, the meeting was on a Tuesday. And the Friday before, you had not had work. Because, as I think we've stated before, on occasion, you have all 40 hours in before Friday. And so you're enabled by that to catch some sanity before going into a weekend with kids. Right. But at that particular week, I had also had Thursday off, and I requested it off, and I, I agreed to monitor emails and phone calls, but not go into the office. Right. And I think I popped in there and grabbed something and left. Oh, I was going to evening sessions that week. Right. I wasn't going during the day. So I checked on things Thursday evening. Thursday evening, and... and I didn't go in Friday, and because I often don't go in on Fridays, I often do not check email or phone messages because that might end up dragging me in and I'm not supposed to be there if I've already worked 40 hours. And so you didn't know that there was a voicemail? No. Monday morning, 
the Monday before the meeting, I went to the office and there was a voicemail from the state child protective agency. Yes. Saying that they had interviewed my son on the previous Thursday and they would like me to call them. And I was like, what? Because first of all, I work for a connected agency. The calls go into the local government. Yes. The local law enforcement and child protective agencies and all the rest. Local social services had to refer it out to state social services. Right, because I work for a local government organization and... It would have been a conflict of interest for any of your even remotely associated colleagues to manage the case. Right. So they had to send it to the state. So they went to his school and talked to him. And I find this out three working days later, which I was not pleased about. Most parents are not pleased at this point. Most parents are not pleased to hear that any sort of, you know, child protection agency has been in to see their child. No. And what this worker said is that they had been called and my child had a bruise and there was a question of whether you or I had punched him. Where was this bruise? Somewhere on his leg. I I thought it was on his thigh. And since I didn't... This is an active eight going on three-year-old boy. He always has bruises. I know. But they had this idea, somebody had this idea that we had punched him. And so... When you mentioned this to me, I remembered that one evening, number two had come home. Thursday night is when you pick him up. Thursday night is when I pick him up, and he had come home, and he had pointed out to me that there's a bruise on my leg, and it was from, like, the slide slide or a tree or... One of those types of objects. He had gotten it playing. Yes. And I didn't think anything of it because he he regularly gets bruises playing. The reason you recalled this later is because he said to you, I have this bruise, and I told my teacher that. Mm -hmm. That's something... That seemed a yeah. little, made it stand out a little bit. You thought, oh, well, that's okay. That's just what you do. You got hurt at school, so you told the teacher good. Yes. Okay. So what the worker said to me is they had had this report, and granted, it's fairly obvious that it came in through the school, and, and school people are mandated reporters, as am I, and, and other I people I work with. Yes. I, are, I'm a mandated reporter as are. a school teacher. You are. So. We are all mandated reporters, and we know that you have to report things. We can get in a lot of trouble if we don't report anything even remotely suspicious. And if a child or some other child indicates a child has been hurt by their parent and have a mark, and if a child has a mark on them and says they have been hurt or any of those things. So mm-hmm. I understand. She said that they went and talked to him on Thursday, and it was obvious to her, both from his report and his demeanor, there was nothing wrong with my child, at least not that I had done to him. <laughs> They could tell we don't beat him. Yes. He he indicated quite clearly to them that it was from a slide or a tree or something and proceeded to talk to them about other things as well, you know, other activities and so forth, and had no indication, as she said, that they needed to fill out a full report, which is what they do. And she named the type of report, which I'm familiar with, because I read them all the time. So they didn't do that, but she was supposed to let me know. And I said, well, I was calling her on Monday because... I was out of the office on Friday. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I I would have thought my supervisor would have called your other number. And I said, no one called me. And she apologized for that. 
So that was that situation, the beginning of that situation anyway, because then I do have to report that to my supervisor. Yes. Because it's already been... Gone through. It's already... Somebody already knows in my agency because it's touched base there before they launched it off into the state. And so I have to talk to my supervisor about that, who has to talk to her supervisor, who has to talk to their supervisor, because they all have to be aware that if I was beating my child, I wouldn't be able to work at my job. And yes. so if there was a concern or a report or a All uh, of us investigation, government employees can lose our jobs very yeah. easily for yeah. any sort of outside of the workplace misconduct. Well, and if even if they were doing an investigation, which can take quite some time. They would have to put you on leave. They would have to put me on admin leave, much like they did when they couldn't decide what to do about my coming out email. <laughs> Which I think is still the stupidest thing ever. Well, there's stupider things, I'm sure, but... Well, I, mm. if, if they want to pay you to not work while they figure it out, there are worse things. There are worse things. I agree. <laughs> I fully agree with that. It doesn't really reduce your stress. No. But it allows you other time to try to cope with your stress. Yes. But they didn't need to do that because they didn't need to make an investigation because my son hasn't been beaten. Which marginally reduces our stress to know that he is telling the truth and he occasionally does try to tattle on us to each other. All three of us parents, dad said this and mommy said that and mama Jess said this and when he's trying to get attention, sort of like when he tried to tattle on himself that he had come in and taken the charging cord. <laughs> yeah, he even tattles on himself. This is true. <laughs> it is true. So This is the day before the meeting. Yes, and all this happens on that Monday, and we're looking at the meeting the next day, and we have no clue who made this call because, you know, we don't get to know. If we had been beating our child, it would be bad for us to know. You don't want someone beating their child to know who's noticing that you're beating your child. Uh, I'll tell you something funny, though. The The agency that, that receives the reports will not tell you, but the police will tell you. I've seen this with work incidents if there's police present, they will tell the person who made the report. Mm -hmm. And yes, it does not help anything. No. To know who, who made a report. Because it's either a person who's trying to cause a problem, which that happens a lot too in, in like custody cases and so forth, or concerned person or uh, a mandated reporter. It's any of those people and somebody's having to make a report for some reason. Mm -hmm. I certainly would want a report to be made if somebody was punching my child. Yes. If they thought it was me in order to figure out who it really was, that would be what yeah. they'd have to do. Absolutely. You know? But we have this meeting to go to with all these people the next day that are probably one of them is the person reporting us. Yes. <laughs> and that can be a little uncomfortable for all people sitting down at those tiny little kid tables, uh, with kind of tiny little kid chairs. Yes. <laughs> I think she broke out the medium-sized chairs for us. Yeah, they seem to be better than the tiny, tiny chairs. <laughs> so that made us a little bit less stressed about that particular concern, knowing that they had no reason to follow up on the report. So by the next morning, I kind of forgot that it was probably one of those people sitting there. I mean, mm -hmm. it was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't thinking about it, except there was some interaction going on there that made you question that. And in reflecting on it, I thought, oh, well, uh -huh. that does seem interesting. And I think you had said before, 
when we were talking about the lead into this, when we were recording about getting ready for the meeting, you had said it's so good that nobody is making a huge deal about us being queer parents. Right. And I remember thinking, well, if they are, we're not seeing it. Yet. Yet. And then we went into this meeting with this brand new principal that we've never worked with before. And the rest of the team we have worked with before, except some intern that's really just sitting in. Student teacher who's basically still learning the ropes and has to attend a couple of these meetings to learn how they work. Who actually turns out to be running our child's class while our child's teacher deals with him the whole time. Oh my gosh. But And, And by dealing with him, I don't mean his behavior problems that we've been getting emails about. I mean trying to teach him to read and write. Yes. So we get there to this meeting and this new principal comes in all guns blazing because she wants to refute point by point this email that I had sent that was basically documentation. The same as all the emails from all the different teachers have been point by point detail in professional language. Here are the problems. And I'm sure that in our neighborhood with mostly upper middle class parents who want their child to be special and perfect, and if they aren't special and perfect, then there must be something really wrong, and it can't be the child, so you must need to do more as a teacher. You just happen to be very familiar with that school. I I do happen to be very familiar with that school. I used to teach up there. When I saw that my own kids were coming there, I ran away. Yes. (laughs) She was ready to basically be the roadblock that a lot of parents need to slow down and say what is actually best for my child. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw at first. But then as I watched her body language throughout the rest of the meeting. And you're kind of an, I I, I don't want to say expert, but it's definitely I grew up in a situation where I had to watch a lot of body language for my own physical and emotional safety. Well-being. Yes. It was important to develop an expertise in body language. Yes. Mm. And so as I'm watching her throughout this meeting, you know, I keep catching things out the corner of my eye that say she's not quite comfortable with us. Mm -hmm. And I saw her eyebrow go up when we referenced the neuropsych report a couple of times because it said in the report, mother states XYZ, mother states ABC. Yes, but I remember doing the interview with the neuropsych and her being very confused as to why I had custody of him and his mother did not. And why, what did that have to do with the fact that we weren't married? Because I was presenting as his father, and I was his father in those interviews with him. I don't know why she wrote mother, because she had me down as his father. If you look at the beginning of the report, it says referred by his father, Uh which I didn't. It was referred by another agency. And then it says (sighs) his mother reports this, his mother reports that, which I thought were the things where you filled them out or his mom filled out Mm -hmm. the papers. Okay. That's what I thought they were. But every time the specialists would point out something in the report that says mother reports XYZ, she would stiffen up a little bit or she would lean a little away from us or her eyebrow would go up or, you know, just little things that I would catch out the corner of my eye but try not to pay too much attention to. Well, the crux of it is that we came out of it wondering if somebody's uh, objection to us was a little more apparent now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And because you said to me, do you suppose she got our scoop from somebody and has a problem with us? And I said, I don't know. Why? And then you explained to me what you were saying. What I had seen, yeah. And I could feel it. 
but I'm not a person who necessarily sees the body language. I feel what's going on, the tension there. Yes. In the tone of voice, the verbiage. And she had been very clearly uncomfortable about sitting next to you. She made sure that there was a chair between the two of you. Yeah, and I hadn't noticed that as much because I was mostly focused on her attack. I, I mean, I felt like she was yelling at me about what I wanted for my son, and I wasn't understanding that here's this IEP, and we cannot change this IEP. We would have to reassess everything. And she was pretty mad that they would have to reassess everything, because I understand. It's a long process to it's do that. It's a big process. But we have a neuropsych that hasn't been included in his IEP, and yes. it states a lot of his needs. And I would like them just to be addressed now rather than later. Yes. And I felt like she was trying to get us to back down about that. And, and because she was quite so defensive, I sure as hell was not going to back down. No, when she approaches it like that, and it's very clear that, you know, to me, having been in a number of these meetings as an educator and as a parent dealing with all this with number one child, the... Posture I assumed she was taking at first was, like I said, just the roadblock, the speed bump, the pushback against what the parent is over expecting. And so I didn't see a lot of those things at first, but then once she gets so huffy about it. She was being a bully. She was. She was being a bully. Uh, I was so... busy kind of, like I said to you, you were watching... The, the body language, I was watching the, this person is acting a little crazy, because that's what I have a, an expertise in. <laughs> and how do I gauge what to do with the kind of crazy person, or what I may or may not need to do? What are the perimeters here? Because this is not, you know, As we were about both us, it's about him. Watching this and sort of gauging where we should fit into this process, all these other teachers who also know the process and who also know our child and who have also been working with us as his parents for over a year now, just are trucking along with the meeting. And they they were a little bit uncomfortable with her approach as well. They were. I could were. see that. They were kind of like, if you want to describe it like a hunched down while she's yelling, mm -hmm. you know, like trying they, to cope with it. They were They were sort of tortoising while she was yelling, and then they would come back out and finish addressing what they were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So then everybody else is like, nope, this really is what this kid needs. And when we get all the way around the table to his homeroom teacher, who had sat right down next to me. Yes, she and had. was quite comfortable doing so. Mm -hmm. And she was the other person that we had thought might be an issue because well, she, she deals is, with him constantly and had and been sending most of the emails she, about what he was doing. She does send, you know, three quarters of these emails because she is the one who has the most contact with him. And I think come teacher appreciation day, we need to give her like an extra spa day or something. Something, man. Huge. Because, because she, she waits till all this has gone on. And then finally she lays down like the final card to this principle mm -hmm. of, I need to know how we are going to address his classroom needs. Because I am currently having my intern run most of my class while I address his needs individually. And when she is no longer there, I will not be able to do that. In other words, so now what do we do? And then the principal puts her foot in her mouth and says, well, we can't do that with resources, which is what they had reduced his IEP to from 
full services to resources. And I thought, oh, now you've done it. So I'm just going to sit here and let, let you fix it yourself because we need to address this very tired looking teacher who I know what it's like to do homework with my son. And this is the reason that and she does it all day. She does. And his cognitive functioning, he can do the work, but he needs so much redirection and handholding to process encouragement, encouragement to, to maintain the mental energy to process the instructions and actually accomplish the work. And this is focusing specifically on reading, writing, and processing because his math has now been taken off the IEP, which we fairly expected, again, because of the neuropsych saying. He can do math yeah. until it becomes more abstract. Yes. he He's very good with concrete. So now we wonder. And I said to you, well, if the other principal had been there, she kind of looks at him like, well, he's just one of those kids who's just a big pain in the hindsight. And you deal with him the best you can because he has these problems. Mm -hmm. She doesn't seem to have a problem with us. And neither no. does the rest of the team, but this this and other this new principal was definitely on the defense. Yeah. With spikes. Oh yeah. And we were rattled we ended up processing this. We had to go back to work, but we didn't go to sleep very easily that night and it was because we had felt quite attacked. Mm -hmm. And thinking about it, you know, after we had gotten out of the situation, mm -hmm. realizing how attacked we felt and, and wondering knowing that office yeah. staff and in particular, the main clerical office receptionist mm -hmm. being this very stereotypically catty straight lady. She gets the job done, man. So She does. She totally does. She does, but, but she's very make, into drama and very into gossip. And so I'm quite certain that half the school, if not all the school, knows our whole story. Well, they, they probably do, but you know some of those people because I, you've worked with them before. I have professional relationships with and well over half of that staff. Not one of them gives me any feeling that they care one damn about it. Good. You know, they're kind of like, eh, whatever. Here's your kid. Please take him away. We're done with him now. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he makes everybody work hard, that guy. He he does. He does. He does. He, he it's came hard here to for him to help us challenge ourselves in our lives. <laughs> That's very generous of uh, you. <laughs> I try to find good reasons for these things happening. Right. It's got to be perfectly good reason somewhere. Yeah. So. So we don't know, but whenever you suspect to yourself, is this because I am a big queer? It often ends up that it is that. Mm -hmm. But because it's one person out of several even though they do have more power than the other people put together. Right. That person is not the only person that has a say-so in what's going on. And I saw that when I worked up at that school, and I've seen and I've learned to see, I should say, that a lot of people do not necessarily have an explicit bias towards or against queer people just like the implicit bias tests that they've done for racism, where people don't realize that they have the bias until they take these computerized flashcard-type tests that make you click a button quicker than you can think about it, that they realize, oh, crap. And so I think that's what's happening with this principal lady, that she's having this implicit bias, like, it didn't look to me like she was intentionally being bigoted. Or that she thought she was. 
she may not realize that she has this implicit bias against queer parents. But in the American West, which is fairly Catholic and or Mormon, mm -hmm. it's not surprising to me at all that people would have been raised with so many bigoted worldviews that they may not realize that they are being big fat bullies. I think you're giving her credit that I, I don't give her because I look at my Christian friend, mm -hmm. not my Christian wife, but my Christian friend. Yes. And what he's told me about the Christian community and how quite terrible they are about all the queer things mm -hmm. and how angry it seems to make those people. And I saw sort of that of, of a response. So I could be seeing things. We could both be wrong. Either way, that's our queer parent experience with potential, possible, probable bigotry yeah. over our child's special needs. Never have kids, folks. Don't, don't have kids unless you're really, really wanting the challenge. Challenge is right. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! So, we can start that again. Why? Because we were moving while we were talking. Oh, I was waiting to move. Oh. But I'll say it again. Okay. If I can remember what I just said. Knock on wood. You didn't knock. Not allowed. What the hell? Not allowed. <laughs> this new principle comes in all guns blaring. Guns blazing. I think it's blazing. <laughs> it is but, blazing. You know, we could ask our almost eight-year-old, and I'm certain he could tell us. <laughs> he would say all, blasting. All of the gun sounds there are. Ha, 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 ha.